0: Hey, good morning, welcome in. It is fantasy sports today. Craig Mish with Joe Ranieri as always here on the show, right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com as we're a little bit over 48 hours away from the NFL draft. And our coverage here on SportsGrid gonna be live from 8 p.m. all the way through the first round and then on Friday night and on Saturday. and everyone covering this draft is really preparing for this thing so make sure that you guys are over at Mm sportsgrid.com on thursday night and friday night to have full coverage of the nfl draft i know a lot of people have asked me actually recently like craig where's all the fantasy baseball talk that you've been doing and I mean, the reality of this, Joe, is that, uh, I mean, right now, there just isn't a lot to report. We don't even know if there's going to be a season. And with the draft really absorbing everything that we're talking about, in addition to arguably the biggest story of the entire offseason, happening with tom brady going to tampa bay um we're only going to be adding on to that story today so i guess for those people who are watching me for fantasy baseball i keep my promise with you guys as soon as i know that there's going to be a season yes then then we'll sit here and do fantasy baseball until you guys ears fall off but i I don't i don't want to waste you guys time right now i want to cover what is happening right now and try and keep you updated and so we got to start with this one joe this is out of nowhere now Mm -hmm. literally uh, the Masked Singer had Rob Gronkowski on a couple of weeks ago. Right. Probably three weeks ago. I'm sitting there with my wife because we're going over things that we can talk about on the show. Honestly, I've, I don't think I've ever pulled my wife for different topics to talk about on a sports show. I mean, this Love is it. what I've done forever. Yep. But we're in that position, Joe, where it's like if, if anybody has good ideas outside of you and me, Bring them on. then – Let's let's groupthink this thing, you know. Yep. And and she's like, well, why don't you, you know, watch? I watched Rob Gronkowski on The Masked Singer. Why don't you watch it and then do a review as to how you thought he did? I'm like, all right. So, I honestly said, listen, honey, you know, respectfully, you know, I, I watched it. He really wasn't that great. It was entertaining for a little bit, and then she's like, yeah, but what about the end? when he said you never know about returning to the nfl don't you think that maybe if tom brady signs with tampa bay maybe he would go there i told my wife come on no way this is not this is not something that's going to happen no way and lo and behold lo and behold yesterday boy did i feel stupid to hear the news that rob gronkowski is is now a member of the tampa bay buccaneers they swapped fourth and seventh round picks that's all it required to get a gronk who has not played in the nfl in two years But make no mistake about it, Joe, anything that Gronk does is a big deal. The question that I would have for you as we dive a little bit deeper is realistically, what kind of difference, if any, will this make for the Buccaneers in 2020? That's how we open up the show today.
1: uh, uh, Like, really? (laughs) That was the response I was looking for. I mean, come on, Gronk, seriously, like you're doing Gronk Beach down here. Right? I mean, you're a part of every festival. You got boat trips, dude. You trim down. You got nothing but money in the bank. Like, dude, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? I do not understand. And I don't understand the Buccaneers either. Like, seriously, a fourth and a seventh for what? A dude that is the most banged up tight end in the last 20 years, who could barely stay on the field, was a blocker at the end, and what what are you expecting from him? Like, I don't understand what, outside of selling jerseys, and maybe that's what that this is happen. all about. Yeah. Outside of selling jerseys, I don't understand this from a football perspective at all. The guy is not ready to play football, nor in a season where most people are going to have shortened time frames to be able to get back into it here. I don't get it. I don't understand it from Gronk's position, and I certainly don't understand it from the Tampa Bay Bucs' uh, yeah, point and, of view. Don't get and,
0: it. You know, it's really fascinating to me because, it, and and listen, certainly there is time if Gronk wants to put that thirty pounds back on. He's lost a lot of weight. He looks really good, by the way, really yeah. healthy as well. Yeah, exactly. But but you know, when we heard the Antonio Brown stuff mm-hmm. with Brady, and very quickly it was shot down. I thought to myself, you know, I guess that means that even though Tom Brady is the man, as he said and as right. he said in that Howard Stern interview, he's still an employee, you know, regardless of that. And other people are going to make the decisions. But the thing that really strikes me, Joe, is that essentially now, now the Patriots got a fourth-round pick here, right? Okay? And and Tampa Bay got a seventh-round back, so they swap mm-hmm. picks. It was essentially not much. But what else can this be besides placating Brady? And by the way, Tampa Bay had, obviously had, because he's not gonna be there, OJ Howard, who I I know he had a horrible year, Joe, okay? Um, you know, And and Tampa Bay probably saw things that that we don't like, but how quickly can Tampa Bay move off a guy that was taken on the first day or two of the NFL draft? Like, and Winston was their quarterback. Like, you have Brady now. You would think that maybe OJ Howard could take that next step with Tampa Bay. That's what I was looking forward to, and instead, there's no room for this guy anymore. So the whole thing is, is definitely bizarre. But it it, it also lends it has to beg the question at this point, Joe, that yeah, Bruce Arians is running the show, but Tom Brady is part of that management team. there has got to be
1: absolutely mind blowing. I like I don't get it on uh, on any level, but especially when you're looking at what is Howard 25. Tony very you, young. You got a dude in his prime who's never really been utilized the right way, and not the men. And Bruce Arians not exactly known as the tight end whisper. That's true too. He just That's doesn't. He doesn't utilize tight ends. He never has in his offenses. So I, I get it. It's going to sell jerseys, sell tickets. Uh, it's going to sell a lot of things. But the reality is, from a football production standpoint. I don't get it. And good luck, by the way, uh, trying to put on an extra thirty pounds uh in your thirties I mean, now, Brock. He's yeah, got let me know let me know how that works out because listen, your most most of your value at the end there was from a blocking perspective anyway. So what are you doing? You coming back to go block for what I I, I Oh, don't I don't think
0: it. so. I think he's coming back to be a big part of that yeah. offense, but it's bizarre at yeah. the very least. And the other point is an excellent one that you bring up because you know, now that I think about it and thinking it through here, yep. I mean, I think with Pittsburgh, they probably had a decent tight end at one point. Maybe it was Heath Miller. I'd probably have to go back and look. But with Arizona, you're right. They didn't have a single tight end. Nope. A play a factor at all in nope. that offense under Bruce Arians. I can't even think of one.
1: Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah, no, right. I can't, I can't think of any.
0: They may have even drafted a couple that didn't work out. But it was always the deep ball and it was always the wide receivers. And That's you correct. saw that even last year with the Buccaneers. So That's
1: Correct. I don't, again, it's uh, it's interesting because it's Gronk. It makes news,
0: you know, and for us, that's good. But it
2: makes but news. realistically,
0: it's it's just wild for me to think that this guy was on The Masked Singer and, yep. you know. I'm not buying it, man. Uh, I, I just, and, and, I'm and not now buying it. Ma- and now he's he's going to, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, listen, it, it makes the season more interesting for yes. the Buccaneers. It makes the season more interesting for us. That's, uh, that's definitely the case. And by the way, if, if Tampa Bay didn't believe there'd be an NFL season this year, do you think they'd be trading for Rob Gronkowski? Uh, do you listen, think, you think uh, they'd be giving up a pick in this year's draft for Rob Gronkowski?
1: I do not blame them in the least bit for continuing to move forward. Uh, and they That's the signal that I got out of this. Is they're going to play this year. That's they're what I got. Gonna, well, they're going to play one way or the other, which makes it even more interesting because if there's not going to be any fans, what are you doing with Gronkowski? Uh, you ain't making money off a rating. So, oh, right. Uh, no, right.
0: Just... But you could get, you could sell your jerseys and all that stuff. But, but again, think about this. If, if they don't play a season, they just basically gave away. Because, I mean, the odds of Gronkowski coming back for another year, even after that, would be slim or slimmer. And then you essentially just gave away a fourth-round pick for and that. Like, and I'm not saying now, that a fourth-round pick is a lot.
1: But. Why now? If you wanted to do this, you could have done this in October. Like no, right? You could have done this towards the end when you well, know, they didn't know that Brady going, was going to
0: sign with Tampa. That's fair.
1: Well, yeah, but even still, even if it was because we thought this last year with the with the Patriots, he was going to wait till the end. Like, who wants to go through training camp? Wants to go right, through all that? Back. You know, I mean, listen, you've been there, done that. I'll come in November, December. We'll make a playoff push together, and we're good to go. Uh, he could have absolutely done that now too if he wanted and had to bypass all of this crap that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, very very bizarre. Bucks yeah. Bucks drafted Time guys is. a couple of years ago. Uh, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones are talking about not being interested. And I'm not saying Ronald Jones is good, by the way. I think he's a bust. But regardless of that, like that you're just punting your picks. Like it's like they're ba- like the Buccaneers are sort of like all in on That's 2020. Great. Like if 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 there was ever an all in team, you got an all in coach who's at yep. the end of the coaching line. He's probably only going to coach a couple more years. He can't coach forever. Yep. I don't think he can coach until he's 80, but maybe he can. Um, you got right. Brady at the end. You got Gronk at the end. Yep. I mean, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see them with a couple of other players who were probably right at the end. This is this is the way Tampa's chosen to do it. It's very unique, very interesting. Gives us something to talk about for sure. And so we'll keep you updated if anything uh, ends up happening, especially with O.J. Howard. Yep. Which I would expect that uh, either by the time we're doing this tomorrow or the next day that he's—I would assume he's got to be on another team. I, I don't I
1: mean I would think. I, w- I wouldn't
0: think they're bringing him Gronk in to mentor
1: O.J. Howard. New
0: the new word mentor doesn't really come to mind. There would uh, be.
1: writing Gronk. is on the wall. It's—it's it's strange writing. I don't get it. I don't get Bruce Arians and uh, Gronk. I at least him the best, but. At least they didn't do uh, Antonio Brown, though, right? He's next. Why not at this point? <laughs> he's next. He's next. I don't think Why he's not. not? I mean, I haven't heard boo. for Gronk was going to the booth. There were so many other things he was associated with. Uh, he was instead. on The Mass
0: Singer like yeah. a few weeks ago. I, like, right before the – I mean, actually, they may have recorded this a couple months ago. Right, that's again, what I'm thinking. The odds – I mean, it did air – I think it aired in, like, late March, I want to say. But I remember watching it at the very end. He goes, oh, we'll see.
2: Just and my so wife's crazy.
0: like, there's a good topic. I'm like, ah, oh,
1: guys, that's not happening. I mean, I
0: don't yeah. And you then, would have are. thought
1: that to, uh, to now on the Tampa Bay Bucs. I would have never, ever. I would have thought you right. were crazy.
0: Meanwhile, mm-hmm. uh, John Lynch, the general manager don't of the San Tom, Francisco 49ers.
1: Back. Is he coming back?
0: No, he oh. he, <laughs> he said he said that they were interested in Tom Brady and free agency.
1: Uh, what? Well, they uh, they Yes. Uh, yeah. How did that? Okay. I we that was we out, heard that. That out of That came out yesterday. Admitting to it, but yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, we knew that it was reported, right? I mean, it was reported that they had some interest. But uh, when push came to shove, they uh, – I think Tampa was the only one left standing, quite honestly, which is why Brady went I that direction. I do, Indianapolis
0: seemed to yep. be a lot of smoke with Indianapolis. Yep. Indi- I think it was just those two teams, as you mentioned, Indianapolis and Tampa Bay. And it, and it looks like yep. – at least from Reich's comments, that they passed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and listen, when you you opt but for San Francisco,
0: Joe, what were they going to do with Jimmy G? I,
1: I, I don't just blame he's the I highest he's the highest paid player in the NFL. I don't blame him for having the conversation, right? But I'm shocked that you let them know that that conversation was coming. Oh, that's though. a little
0: motivation right there for Jimmy, that, G? Jimmy G. How's that, uh, Jimmy
1: G? How's how's that working yeah. out for you? So I. I Going to be put up or shut up this year for Jimmy G. Going to oh, be real sure. interesting. Oh, he had a good gun. Uh, he got right. to the Super Bowl. Can't really yep. argue with that. Nice, and you're looking for a 43-year-old quarterback to replace him. It's all. I know. I don't weird. get that
0: one either. I mean, yep. it's just. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably get a retraction from Lynch at some point. That's probably what's coming up next. Uh, by the way, Brady. I don't know if you saw this. Joe um, was was uh, found to be training in a mm-hmm. closed park in Tampa yes. and they had to ask him to leave so yes. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but we should at least acknowledge
1: way that. to go Brady way to go well, at least he's working out I guess all right that's half the battle that's a good sign yeah, yeah. that's a that's a real good battle yeah and listen he's gonna get they're all getting ready so it's uh it'll be interesting to see see now I'm fascinated with what is Tampa going to do on Thursday now Sitting in that, uh, they're going to trade for Larry pick. Fitzgerald. Yeah, I, I mean, you're sitting in that 12 spot now, right? So, all right, 12, 13, somewhere in that ballpark. You got the Jets, you got the Raiders. You're going to have Tampa. What where are they going now? Is it going to be offensive linemen? Are they? You ain't getting a wide receiver, no tight ends this year. So, I, what direction are they going? I'm going to be fascinated to see.
0: Maybe they'll trade the pick for the, the the guy on Jacksonville. Could it be a running back? Are they interested in the guy on Jacksonville, the defensive guy?
1: That's no, not. No? no, no. Well, Bruce Aarons, gonna, well, it wouldn't be a far trip from him. what uh, could you imagine that? No. why not? Uh, well, well, uh, no, I, I, the Buccaneers fight. are obviously all in on this year. I mean. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's <laughs> right. Are you going to trade for Fournette? Like, what's next? What are you going to go yeah, with next? there you go.
0: That's reasonable.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or are you they're building, they're or building a super team. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Something's got to give here. Barry Sanders? Bring him back, man. Bring him back. I mean, Brady apparently digs everybody up, so everybody wants to come back.
0: Anybody is fair game for uh, the Buccaneers this year. Uh, How about this one yesterday, too, um, percolating around a little bit? It looks like, now again, we're a long ways away from this, but Mm -hmm. can you imagine if we already have, you know, Hall of Famer 2020, Derek Jeter, being the CEO of the Marlins. Right. Can you imagine if Alex Rodriguez was a part owner, along with Jennifer Lopez of the New York Mets. This is a story that had some steam about a month ago, and now we're back on it again. And it looks like, Joe, that they've gotten together. They want to do it. Um, Look, uh, does A-Rod and J-Lo individually have the kind of money to buy a baseball team? No. (laughs) If you you combine the two of them, And get investors, could they be a 20% owner of the Mets or a 10% over the Mets? Yes, they could. I mean, they look at Derek Jeter, perhaps. Derek Jeter owns less than 10% of the Marlins. So right. that could be a possibility as well. But you are creating a very intriguing dynamic if this ends up happening. And Alex Rodriguez essentially wants to be, dare I say, a control guy, a control person mm-hmm. with the New York Mets. Now, late yesterday, John Heyman reported that Jorge Mas, who was initially part of the uh, Mar- the Marlins' bid to try mm-hmm. and buy them, uh, apparently uh, John Hamer reported that A-Rod went to him because he was already once interested in buying the Marlins. Now he owns a team in the uh, in MLS, right. so he said essentially that he was not interested. But that leads me to believe that that at some point A-Rod's going to put a bid together, whether or not he's going to own the team. Joe, I have no idea, but. What do you think of
1: that? I think it's uh, I think it's fascinating that it also happens to be the New York Mets uh, that we're talking about here. The will don't worry, they'll back out like uh, previous on a previous. Yeah, the other guy backed too. out too. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it's uh, they'll kick the can around, then they'll look at the numbers and be like, why does Tim Tebow have a jersey? Like I don't understand. Uh, maybe Tim Tebow will be the GM it could be bring him in there why not maybe Tebow should come back and play for the Buccaneers how's that could be. Yep, that's now we're cooking now we're cooking with gas people that's how I we like do it. it that is how we do it That oh, please baseball come back uh, and without the Mets and J Lo, please. Like I can't with with J Lo and A Rod. Like no, no. And, and in the same anybody.
0: division, Jeter and A Rod yeah, owning teams yeah, in the yeah. same, or you know, being part owners in the same division, the NL no. Maybe not this year. It'd be the Grapefruit League versus the Cactus League. Right. But in general, it would be mm-hmm. the NL East. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely not. Although, listen, I appreciate them kicking the tires around, and uh, if they can put the group together, but it's got to be a group situation too, and they got to be willing to acquiesce to letting them. Have okay. some sort of say in it. So I, I don't know how that's gonna
0: be and, and by the way, the, the Mets, you know, realistically in terms of finance is no indictment on any baseball team, but they're gonna be double the cost of what the yes, Marlins are. Absolutely. So it's gonna be a two billion dollar cost and uh I don't even wanna get into what ten percent of two billion is because I do not see Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez putting up ten percent of two billion dollars nope. to uh to buy the Mets. No, don't, I don't. see it. All right, so uh, lots to come here on the show today. We're going to go through some of the quarterback props for the NFL draft in 2020, so stay tuned. That's coming up a little bit later in the show. Also, David Cantor was on our program yesterday for about 30 minutes. Uh, You guys really enjoyed that interview, so we're going to play back some of the best of what he said yesterday as we preview the NFL draft. That's coming up a little bit later. But up next here on the show, it's this day in fantasy sports history Mm -hmm. and also our fantasy sports birthdays. We'll have that around the corner, so stay tuned. More fantasy sports today right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com is coming up next. And as a reminder, with the NFL Draft coming up on Thursday night, your full coverage for the entire first round on Thursday night is right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Craig and Joe here on Fantasy Sports Today, and we'll be right back after this quick timeout. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show on this April the 22nd, 2020, moving closer to the NFL draft. Maybe, hopefully getting back to some sports in mm-hmm. the months of May and June and July. We'll just certainly have to see with that. And uh, in case you missed us earlier in the show, Joe and I did spend a large amount of time talking about Rob Gronkowski and his deal uh, to the Buccaneers. And we'll spend some more time on that coming up a little bit later in the show. But Joe, we, uh, we got some days in fantasy sports to go over a lot of uh, a lot of things happened on the 22nd of april in past history a lot of it pertaining of course to the nfl draft mm-hmm. as this is around the time that it's been done over the past 20 or 30 years although this year's draft in particular feels a little bit later right than than usual and then we'll uh, go over some birthdays as well
1: let's do it one of our favorite parts
0: i don't know about that but we do it anyway no we're just trying our- to be nice
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fernando Valenzuela let's start off with Fernando Mania this is going back in time here to 1981 he made four starts with the Los Angeles Dodgers in his rookie season mm-hmm. and you tell me Joe, has there ever been a starting pitcher in the history of baseball to get off to the start that Fernando did he threw three shutouts yep. in his first four starts People wonder why this guy was put on the front of cornflakes boxes. And I remember I had one for many, many years. But, I mean, this was – he was the first rookie, I feel like, that the world was taking notice. Like him – and I believe there was a pitcher on the Detroit Tigers a couple of years before that named Mark Fidrich Mm -hmm. that a lot of people were super into. But when Valenzuela pitched, Joe, it was like – we didn't have DirecTV at the time. We didn't have MLB.com. We couldn't watch all of his starts, but everybody wanted to know how he did.
1: Right, that's just—it's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy how good he was and how he just took on. And Fernando was there right before. It was like just that a couple of years prior. It was like before Gooden got there at 19 years old. That late '70s, early '80s. Uh, Fernando was just absolutely ridiculous. Nobody knew. Everyone was arguing how old he was. They thought he was older than what he really was. They didn't know. Uh, Lasorda and him had a crazy relationship, but uh, he was just uh, from a left hand. And when you watch them pitch, you were like, wow, he just. Uh, you didn't
0: know how he did it. I mean, he used to look up, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, before he would throw the pitch. It was like just so bizarre yeah, it was that, so that he had weird. that much success. And by the way, he had some success. Yep. Uh, In the future after that, and look, he Mm -hmm. was good in the 80s, but it was that really that first year that he was a star. He went on, by the way, to pitch a no hitter. Everyone remembers he and Dave Stewart pitched a no hitter in the same day, uh, which was one of the big days in in baseball history. But uh, while he was never quite, I mean, he was good, really good for a couple of years, Cy Young Award winner, rookie of the year. But it was really that first year, that first couple of years, Joe, where mm-hmm. the Dodgers are a really good place to have rookies. You know, yep. like they, they've always seemed to have that pipeline of guys that, that first year, whether it was him um, or Yasiel Puig, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they just pounded out all these rookies of the year. Of the year. Steve Sachs was yep. rookie
1: of the year for them, too. Yep. Yep. He so. was, uh, they were, uh, they did really, really good for a little while there. And then, of course, they went on to, uh, you know, they won a World Series. So it
0: wasn't like they, they, did. they were. They did. They did. They did 88. They didn't score with this. All right, uh, 1990, we, we fast forward about 10 years. We got a first round pick in the NFL draft, Jeff George, Wow. drafted by the Indianapolis Colts, who was more or less a bust with the Colts, but really a good story, because he left Indianapolis. He ends up you know, shifting around a little bit, Joe. He goes to Atlanta. He's pretty successful there. Of course, he doesn't get along with anybody he's ever with, but he's successful there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he goes to the Minnesota Vikings, and they were desperate for a quarterback. He had a really good season with the Vikings as well. In between, I think he was with the Raiders. He was maybe not great. I don't know if he, I don't recall if he was or not. Uh, but the the quintessential, yep. what most people would think was sort of a first round bust, but in, really in the end, Jeff George put together uh, a nomad career with a lot of different teams. Right. And and I think and if and if it feels right saying that Jeff George, Joe, he goes to a team. He has initial success, falls out of favor with him, and they mm-hmm. ship him somewhere else. He's good again with wherever he goes at the beginning, and then he falls out of favor, and then he goes somewhere else. And I feel like that's uh, that's something that he's done through the years.
1: And yeah, and Guy had uh, the one thing that he'll always be remembered as, A, he was a bit of a head case, but B... Of course. Um, it, one of the biggest arms guys you'll ever see For it, maybe sure. in the history of the game. Like, you, you throw whoever you think. I drafted
0: him in fantasy every year. I,
1: you guy, whoever you think has the arm in the league, or you think it's, uh, you know, is it Josh Allen in Buffalo? Whoever you think can throw the ball, the Fathers, then the NFL, Mahomes. It, yep. Didn't hold a candle to what Jeff George was doing. And able you know what? To. I was wrong
0: about the Raiders. I mean, check this out. In '94, well, first of all, he was horrible with with Indianapolis. We know that yes. he wasn't good. No, but was he, go- he good. goes to Atlanta. 23 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Right. 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1996 doesn't really play that much. Goes nice. to the Raiders in '97. Leads the NFL in passing yards with the Raiders. 3,900 mm-hmm. yards, 29 touchdowns. Following year, gets benched. They send him to Minnesota. Throws 23 touchdowns,
1: touchdowns yeah. with
0: Randy Moss and all those guys in Minnesota. Um, and then in Washington, the wheels were off at that point, and yeah. it was over. But look, I mean, in the end, uh, that is worth a first-round pick, and the first overall pick is a quarterback. I absolutely. mean, there are a lot worse players that have been drafted first overall at quarterback than Jeff George, Absolutely. Truthfully.
1: Yep, absolutely. He was yep. – um, Cannon, guys. I mean, just a cannon. Bit of a head case. Always, I think, people looked at him as a guy that never really did live up to the uh, Oh, of the course, height. he
0: didn't. But there have been worse. Let's be Big honest. Time. There have been a lot worse. Guys moments. who just did nothing.
1: Yep, he had yeah. his moments.
0: Yeah, uh, 1994, in, again, in an era where, where Mike Tyson is not around, the heavyweight champions were just, just being recycled. One of the other ones who for a short period of time was the best, best heavyweight boxer in the world was Michael Moore. People mm-hmm. forget about him as well, South Florida resident too. He defeated a Vander Holyfield for the title and held it for a very short period of time. But once you win that heavyweight championship, Joe, it gives you the right to cycle yourself yeah. around the heavyweight division for a few years. And Michael Moore did indeed do that uh, in the mid 90s. He beat Holyfield in 94. Yeah. Uh, to- yeah. Anything on Moore there no, more there? No, I mean,
1: more? he was just part of that, you know, he was part of that era there in the 80s and 90s of heavyweights that would have their moments. Uh, they'd make all this money and if they'd, they'd lose. Blow it all. And then, you if know, they'd move on. Yeah, uh, exactly. It was just absolutely, uh, most of them were an absolute uh, mess. But they would have their moments catching usually the really good champion sleeping at one point. And then that was it.
0: Yeah. And this whole started sure.
1: with Buster Douglas. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know? um, we got Sam Bradford. He was the first pick in 2010. Mm. Um, first pick by the St. Louis Rams. I would say one of the most overrated quarterbacks in history, right there. Like, like, like. I think Jeff George had a better career than Sam Bradford. How about
1: you? Wow, that's a, I, I was not seeing that coming from you. How him. can you I argue, can argue that? Tell you that? I, I can. I'm trying. I'm thinking about. No, no. I mean, and one was paid an exorbitant amount of money and uh, really was the last person paid an exorbitant amount of money that way where, um, yeah, he was part of that last draft class, the number one pick, Bradford, where, yeah, after that, that collective bargaining said, uh, we're not doing this anymore. And uh, thanks, Sam, you ruined it for everyone else.
0: Yeah, no, I I think so. And I look at his career and I say.
1: But in his defense. I mean, oh, at, no defense. He was but, not that good. Oh, come on. In his defense, look at who he had as a coach. Come on. Stop. That's, I'm thinking, who do you have as a coach? You know, if it wasn't for, um, you know. It, it, who it, was there? Oh, Jeff Fisher? Yeah. I mean, Jeff Fisher's not exactly the quarterback. But didn't he move was. around to like 18? He did. He did. But I mean, once you once Fisher gets a hold of You know what? I'm going to do
0: this. I'm going to look at this comparison. Jeff George through for a career right. 27,000 yards, 154 touchdowns. Okay. Now, let's pull up Sam Bradford. Let's dance around here a little bit.
1: That's tough, man. That's a tough. All right.
0: right. Sam Bradford, right. Joe, threw for 19,000 yards, 10,000 less. Aha! Uh-huh. 103 touchdowns, 50 less. In by the way, an era where everybody throws for 300 yards every game. Yeah. And 40 touchdowns. Yeah. Jeff George unequivocally was better than Sam Bradford.
1: Damn. Unequivocally. You are... Uh... And it's hardcore, man. Uh, I did not How could you debate a, me on yeah, that? Yeah, listen, to, but This again, is like a hot take debate. I I blame Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher ruined it. <laughs> I blame Sam Bradford. He got, Jeff George was he way better. Blown out knees. I mean, it was, you know, he was well, kind of working uphill. Because they couldn't protect. He had no offensive line. Uh, another one of those in a long line of uh, OU quarterbacks there that just weren't as good as they were in college. All Jack right. Jordan uh, was pretty good in college. He was. It wasn't. You're not yeah. winning this one. No, no, you, I'm not. You're
0: not winning this one against.
1: Two me. words, Jeff Fisher. That's
0: all. 2018. <laughs> let's move on to two years ago. Brandon <laughs> Belt. Uh, this was. I look. I, I don't know why this is like this is not like something that ever, a, anyone's going to remember. But like
1: Brandon Belt twice in a week in one. I know, but Brandon look, Bell. I got to
0: do this, okay? Because I was not aware of this. He saw 21 pitches in a Major League Baseball at bat, and it was a 12 minute at bat against I'm a Berea of the angels are you kidding me I, 12 minutes for one at bat
1: yep and I remember that absolutely it feels like the show yep yeah well
0: minutes literally yeah. we could do an entire segment of a show in that one at bat yeah
1: yeah it's uh I can tell you though it wasn't any better than watching Jeff George play um I will say this Brandon belt had his moments has his moments really I don't know what what he's gonna be doing after this I uh, I remember seeing that on uh on sports center i remember watching that and you know they went through and they could go to 21 pitches and how long it took and it was a clinic on pitching and hitting like they when you get into that and you notice miss 21 pitches right 12 minutes neither guy was giving in like you know how easy it would have been just to throw ball four just throw it around get them in there but neither guy was giving in fouling great pitches off it was a battle and i can appreciate any of that N- neither him or for that matter will ever have a uh a better at bat pitcher batter at bat than what those two did right there for 12 minutes
0: right yeah no i i just yeah. it's mm. mind-boggling it's a horrible this day in fantasy sports i get it
1: no that was good man that was that was a i clinic. had to throw
0: it in there because yep. that's you know if you if you want to talk about what baseball does not do well right pull that one up
1: yeah but 12, again, that for 12 minutes, you've got to be one stubborn SLB, not to either just hit him. I agree. I it agree. Off- in <laughs> fairness, <that's laughs> you know, in tra- I like, agree. Woo, those two guys were not giving in for 12 minutes. I agree. Yep.
0: All right, let's move on to the birthdays. we got some solid ones for on you here. April 22nd, not Jeff George. Next one, Jeff George's birthday. That's the first one I'm doing. Was All right, uh pitcher? 1959 Terry Francona former oh. big league player and of course now the manager of the Cleveland Indians, a very well-liked guy. I actually did this list without him in it and felt like I I'm going to go back and put him in it. Really? Know. Yeah, good guy. I just I was like I felt bad leaving him out and I saw some of the other names and I said of the six names here, if you were to ask the average sports fan who they've heard of. Right. Terry Francona may not be the first on this list, but he's probably the second or third. I agree. So, yeah. so I felt bad leaving him out. Now, uh, my second one is Jeff Hostetler. I was a really big Raiders fan at the time that Hostetler was the quarterback there, and and Joe, um, Jeff Hostetler, is always going to go down in history for me. Okay. Sports, and I'll and I'll explain to you why he he uh, his name is. Uh, I was a Raiders fan covering. A Bucks Raiders game, and I don't remember the year or the time. I'd have to go back and look right. it up. But uh, that was uh, that was a game where the uh, the Bucks played the Raiders. The mm-hmm. Bucks were not good. This was a bad. This was I was covering the Bucks win. Like this was maybe Dungy's first year or second okay. year. They they weren't very good. Uh, but but they're starting to turn the corner a little bit. Raiders are good. Raiders are a good team. Okay. Buccaneers are are up. I believe if I'm not mistaken. Um, 15 to 10 or 16 to 10 late in the game, um, or, or you know it's 17 to 10. I'm sorry, 17 to 10 late in the game, and Jeff Hostetler is getting destroyed. You know it's Sapp in the early years and right. and, and Derek Brooks. They're just pounding this guy, and the Raiders. Hostetler is running and he's throwing. He gets the Raiders all the way down the field, and they score a touchdown. 17 16 bucks. Guy uh, goes up for the extra point, misses it. Game ends. Bucks win. Jeez. This is, by the way, when nobody missed extra points.
1: Extra points, yes.
0: Nobody missed extra points in the 80s and the 90s,
1: right?
0: They didn't move them back until about 10 years ago. Yep. And I remember feeling so bad for Jeff Hostetler because I was a Raiders fan, mm-hmm. but it changed my opinion of covering sports at that very moment <laughs> because I realized that it was more important for me. To have the Bucs win, and I was covering the Bucks than it was for the Raiders to be able to to win. And I'll never forget that game, because that's when I lost my fandom. That and was I became it. a media member at that point, because I said, you know, darn, the Raiders lost, but yep. wow, I got a happy locker room here. You know? And, uh, and I went up to Hostetler after the game, and I said, listen, I don't know if this is your last year or whatever it is, but I gotta tell you, that was one of the most guttiest performances yep. I have ever seen anybody play. I mean, he was getting... You know beat down joe like you have mm-hmm. no idea man he was yep. i mean it was like the, again the early sap young days the early um Derek brooks days hardy nickerson i think was on those wow, early teams that's too
1: correct. Yep.
0: and and again you know listen we have the time i figured i'd share that story and that's so, awesome yeah. i mean now now it's the team that you bet on and you win or lose i mean that's all you know now the gambling is you know virtually legal in the u.s it's like you can't even be a fan of anybody anymore. You, you're a fan of the team that you make yep. money on, or, or you're not a fan of the team that loses for you. This is like before that. Yep. So,
1: I mean, so they were still famous. betting. I mean, yep. don't
0: get me wrong. But for yep. me, I was a young guy, and I wasn't you know, taking my money and betting it when I was 20, Got 21 it. years
1: old. So. Hostetler was another one of those in a long line of Bill Parcells, tough, you know, uh, yeah. he was okay, a quarterback. You you know, know. It was, he ran a little, you know what I mean? He, he just, And he'd take a beating, man. He really, really did. He did. But he won a ring. Super Bowl with the Giants. Got the ring, yep, when Sims was yep. nowhere to be found.
0: And look, the Raiders loved those Super Bowl winners. They took him on. He was good with the Raiders, though. Damn, I got
1: straight, he was, and that was a good team. Yeah. This uh, guy Jim, I haven't uh, heard in years.
0: Wow. Uh, Jimmy yes. Key, uh, I had to throw a former Yankee in there, so we did it. Uh, 1961, Day, so, right? Jimmy Key, left-handed pitcher. Uh, really good pitcher for a long period of time time. really good golfer by the way as well yeah really good golfer we'll we'll have to get him on the course with you Uh, that's a picture of Ken Dorsey national champion with the Miami Hurricanes born in 1981 now a quarterbacks coach in the NFL I believe he was with Carolina for many years in camp in Cam Newton Um, we got about a minute left to go here so we'll breeze through these Marshawn Lynch who everybody knows at this point, maybe Marshawn Lynch will play for the Bucks. There's the name that we're missing. Yep. That's Mar- a good point. Marshawn Lynch of Tampa Bay. hmm And D Gordon, born in nineteen eighty eight, once upon a time a hit king. Uh and then of course uh had some PED issues. Oh,
1: it's up, needles. Yep. Very nice. Yeah. Nice guy. So there you go. Those are our birthdays mm-hmm. for April the twenty second. Impressive. Man.
0: And with that we got to take a quick time out when we come back in case you missed David Cantor. He was on the show yesterday, former, uh, not former, current NFL agent, excuse me. He'll join us next. We'll play back that interview for you. The best of that coming up next year. Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Of course, we'll have live coverage of the NFL draft right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com will actually be one of the very few live television and radio entities to actually have live coverage of the entire first round and second round on Thursday and Friday. And of course, a lot of big decisions are going to have to be made. But I think the bigger decisions is to how not just the players and not the people who are drafting them in their war rooms in the NFL, but how are the agents actually going through this as well? It's a new day for all of us, so I figured we would check in with one of the best in the business, David Cantor. DEC management, I've known David for a long time. He's negotiated some of the biggest contracts in the history of the NFL, especially on the defensive side over the last decade. Unbelievable contracts for Tank Lawrence and Olivier Vernon. He joins us now to talk about what his plan is for opening night of the draft on Thursday, Friday, and, of course, all of his guys who will be taken throughout the 2020 NFL draft this week. David, thanks so much for coming on here on Fantasy Sports Today. It's good to see you
2: and talk to you. How are you? Good to see you, too. It's good to see you. This is the unique way to conduct interviews in the modern coronavirus era. Yeah, it, it has. We, we wouldn't so, even, so even shake hands if I was on set now, right? I wouldn't even shake your hand, Joe or Chris. No. Craig, I wouldn't even—I would be like— Hey, don't touch me. <laughs> we give you a pound. We like give you the pound. <laughs> Elbow. We were doing we were doing elbows at the combine. Oh, all right. Yeah, it was
1: weird.
0: All right. Well, listen, when they have to sign contracts, David, right after this is all said and done or even any of your guys just mail them pens. That's the that's the way it's. has <laughs> It's not get a done. bad idea.
2: I got to get some DEC
0: pens. DEC pens. that's that's the hot thing right now. If you got your logo on a pen, it's going to be oh, okay. masks. Oh,
2: I'm, masks. I'm ordering DEC uh, N95 masks. Yep, that's perfect. Okay. Literally, that's what I've been doing today, besides talking to general managers. <laughs> okay. Well, well. So, so let's talk about it from your perspective. I don't, I don't, I'm dead serious. I've literally been negotiating with people about getting customized, filtered masks for the future, whenever we get back to normalcy, that people can have DEC-logoed masks, just like my hat. We'll do it.
0: We'll have it on the show. We'll wear it, that's it. on Thursday if you get in touch, touch with us for Thursday night. All right, listen, we're wasting your valuable time here on the show, Talk, talking nonsense, because that's what we do sure. anyway for two hours so, every day.
2: So going back to your question, the draft, I will be just like everybody else in the world, sitting at home watching on television. Trusty cell phone will be working. I've got – this is – I'm not going to flash it very – I'll do it quickly. This is my draft board. So that's all the GMs and teams of every NFL team and our guys that we have in the draft and where they think they'll go, kind of a round projection, if there's interest for them. Do they love them? How strong are they? And typically, I'm, I'm pretty accurate. I've done this for 25 years. So we're able to usually hone in on where we think our guys will get drafted, what round, uh, typically maybe within 15 or 20 picks. And usually the team, three to five teams, you know, like a guy a little bit more. In Bradley Anais' case from the University of Utah, uh, all-time sack leader, he was coached at the Senior Bowl by the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions obviously have a tremendous need for another pass rusher. They paid Trey Flowers $18 million last year. So that would be a team I would watch for that's very interested in Bradley. But he's an incredible talent, so there's going to be a lot of movement, especially at the edge position. The edge position this year is very, very deep, three rounds deep, and you're talking over 10 to 15 players, and it can be really a buyer's market. So there will be some good players that you'll be able to get third and fourth round that normally wouldn't be able to get.
1: You know, I got to ask you too, David, it, you know, this time of year, especially over the next couple of days leading into the draft, I almost have absolutely no, no – actually, I don't have any idea what to believe or what not to believe, man. I mean, how much smoke is really – Is there fire where there's smoke? I mean, the rumors and the stuff and teams are interested. How much of it do you really believe or how much should we believe?
2: I would take every single thing you hear from last week until Thursday night and throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Completely. First things first is you've got a lot of really talented players still on the market. There's Jadavian Clowney. There's uh, Marcus Golden. Marquise Lee just got cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars a few minutes ago. So there's really talented, valuable NFL veteran players that are on the street. And then you've got a bunch of players that are available via trade. You can go get Yannick Nguke. You can go get Leonard Fournette if, you're, if you care to get a running back, even though there's 25 guys that are going to probably get drafted on Friday and Saturday and maybe even in free agency after the draft. You can go get a ton of good wide receivers in rounds two, three, and four it's an incredibly deep, you know, draft there. And then today, I know one of the things you're probably alluding to, Joe, is the whole Giants. We're doing a ton of study on Justin Herbert, or if that's how you pronounce it, I think it's mm-hmm. Justin Herbert, right? Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. Yeah. You know that they're they may draft him at four. I mean, come on. There's nobody in their right mind, no general manager in arena football, let alone the National Football League, believes that Dave Gettleman and the Giants are drafting a quarterback at four when they just drafted Daniel Jones, and he obviously had a very solid season. They've got a nice little hierarchy there of two guys with him and Saquon, you know, both top 10 picks. It's ludicrous to think that they would draft a quarterback at four, and nobody in their right mind in the NFL thinks. Now, Detroit at three is where this draft starts. Obviously, one is going to be Burrow. Two is going to be Chase Young. And then at three, Detroit does want to move down. Miami does or would like to move up to be safe and secure that someone doesn't go above them three or four. They don't necessarily want to move up because they feel like they have to um, and to get their guy, but they are worried about teams that maybe like their guy behind them that would go ahead of them at three or four, and then that's where this draft will get interesting. Obviously, the other part of this draft that's going to be very interesting is we're all going to be doing it from our living rooms and our basements and our houses, and general managers are going to be operating just like we're doing this television show right now.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I want to get to that because, David, a lot of a lot of folks yesterday on social media, some of the best reporters that you would consider around the NFL essentially said that they had a mock draft where some of this didn't go exactly the way that they planned. I think it was Adam Schefter who reported that there was some bandwidth issues with that. Uh, from their perspective, it's unique because they're going to be the ones that are delivering the picks. From your perspective, is there any concern on your end that you're not going to be sure as to who is taking what? And how is there any difference in process in this draft for you and your clients as they find out they're getting picked?
2: No. In fact, this is 100% standard operating procedure for 97.5% of every player in the draft. Other than the guys that get invited to Nashville or Vegas, this is no different. You're at home, phone rings. Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Davey, Florida, you pick it up. Hey, John, this is Chris Greer from the Miami Dolphins. We have pick number 86 coming up, and we're going to draft you right here. Wanted to put you on the phone with our head coach, Brian Flores. They talk at the same time someone from their office is calling me or I've already been notified that the player is being drafted. Then we hang up the phone and watch the highlight clip on ESPN or unfortunately now, no NFL Network, but on the joint broadcast. So for us, from an agent and player standpoint, except for the guys that have been invited to the draft in the past. And there's some pictures of guys in the past that have been invited that I was with. It's not a very unique experience. You're sitting at home. You're waiting around a lot of time, a lot of energy wasted, you know, watching guys that you think you're better than, that some team may be graded higher. For the general managers, it's unique because obviously they're not in their draft room. They do have to now have television sets, computer systems brought into their homes They're not able to sit there. Brian Flores and Chris Greer live down the street from each other. So most likely they'll be together, but you're not going to be at your team's facility. You maybe only have three or four people, whereas in the past you might have your entire scout staff in your building, all your coaching staff in your building. And you might say, hey, listen, it's player A or player B. Who do you like? Let's go quickly. In five minutes, give me your number one guy. And they all yell out their guy. They all yell out their guy. And you survey the building. And that does happen from time to time especially as you get towards rounds five, six, and seven, you've always heard the stories where there's a scout that jumps up on the table for a guy and says, hey, listen, this guy was never going to be here in round six. We need to go get this guy immediately. And the GM kind of looks at him and goes, hey, you know, that's why we pay you. Do you know this player better than anyone else? If you think we should take him in six versus so-and-so, we take him. And so you won't have those things. Where the real anarchy of this draft is going to be is it's going to be the guys on the back part of my list that aren't the John Penasini's or the Bradley and I's that didn't get to go to a combine, that didn't get a pro day because obviously coronavirus canceled a lot of pro days and haven't been able to be seen from NFL teams since November and December. They didn't have an all-star game. They didn't get to go to Indianapolis. And obviously with no pro days and private workouts and visits, it's been basically radio silence for those guys for three months. So now the teams draft their 255 guys. A lot of people don't know this, and hopefully your your listeners and viewers do, is there's a whole second tier to the NFL draft, which is undrafted free agency, which historically has been the wild, wild west. To give you a quick rundown of it, what you would have is a player gets called by a team towards the end of the back of the seventh round. Hey, this is John from the Washington Redskins. We have a pick at 252, but I don't think we're going to use you We're going to use it on you. Would you like to become a member of our team? We're going to sign you to a contract right after the draft. We have $5,000 for your defensive end position. As that's happening, the New York Jets call and say, hey, we have $10,000. As that's happening, the Miami Dolphins call and say, hey, we have $3,000, but we didn't draft a guy, and we have a better roster spot. The Baltimore Ravens call and say, hey, remember me? I'm the coach that talked to you. I came to your facility. I worked you out. I sent you a sweatshirt. We have a package where we show you 15 guys every year make our team as either undrafted free agents or on our practice squad. We're the best fit for you, et cetera, et cetera. Then the player literally hangs up the phone, calls me. I'm already negotiating with these guys and says to me, what do I do? Derek Shelby, for Miami Dolphin fans who remember him, he had 29 offers after the draft. Wow, There's only 32 teams. So how does Derek Shelby make his decision, right? He actually literally came down to the Minnesota Vikings and the Miami Dolphins, and I remember being on the phone Jeff Ireland on one end, Derek Shelby in the middle, and Rick Spielman on the other end. And they actually stayed on the phone with me for about 30 minutes while we went back and forth with the player, talked to him, clicked over the line, went back to Jeff, went back to Rick. And eventually Derek just said to me, hey, what's the best decision for my career? And I said, well, you'll be here. You'll be in Davie. I live here. You'll be on the Dolphins. I have players on the roster. I trust the defensive line coach, Casey Rogers, who I still think is one of the best in the business. I trust the front office, and it ended up working out great for him. He played seven years in the NFL before retiring on his own will, and sometimes that's the way it works out for undrafted free agents. But that yeah. will be the anarchy of this because the scouts won't be in the room, the scouts won't be able to tell the teams who they love, and you'll have to go back and forth, and, and some guys will definitely fall by the wayside.
0: Um, David, let's uh, wrap it up with this. Um... A couple of minutes, if you don't mind. We've got about three or four minutes left, actually. Sure. So you'll take it all. Um, <laughs> the, the, the public relationship and private relationship that you have had with uh, Eric Weddle, who, in my mind, is going to go on into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, has really been something to watch through the years because of the relationship that you've had with him, the level that he played on, mm-hmm. Pro Bowls, uh, and, and finally, last year, uh, decided to call it a career. Uh, you know, David, when I when I ask you about Eric Weddle, I know that it must mean a lot, but I, I'd like you to talk, if you wouldn't mind, for a couple of minutes as we wrap up. Just the, that relationship, that agent-player relationship that you have had with him and what it's going to be like in the future, knowing that when you go visit NFL stadiums, he's not going to be playing anymore.
2: Here's Eric Weddle. <laughs> right. There he is. That's my... My my buddies in Mexico make all these luchadores out of wood. Yeah. This is hand carved out of wood. We did this last year. We never ended up getting the rights to sell it. But hold on, maybe I can put Eric on my head at the last minute. There um, you go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an incredible run. You know, uh, I was lucky enough to get him as a college player and and be a part of his future and be at the draft with him. We did a TV show for an old network that's that no longer exists, which is on YouTube. You can watch me run up to him and slap him really hard. Uh, when the Chargers traded up for him and then went through the lockout season. A lot of people don't know that Eric Weddle was one of the few free agents that got a multi-year deal done uh, right after the lockout 2011. He signed his $40 million deal uh, over five years with the Chargers and then played that out and then ended up going to Baltimore, which was an incredible three years there and got cut. You know, for the first time in his career, got cut. He'd never been cut before. And then this last year in L.A., I think, was probably not what either of us envisioned it uh, to be. We really thought that the, the Rams were going to be the team to help him get a ring. And I think he'll be like many other players that, that retire from the NFL and always kind of wish that they got the ring. Um, but he left an incredible impact on so many of our clients that we represent now, DEC management clients. You know, Team DEC is real. You know, Eric Weddle will literally get on a plane or get on the phone. He'll fly guys to work out with him. He's going to always be a huge part of my career and my personal life. He's my closest friend. You know, we talk almost every single day. Uh, his kids and my kids kind of grew up together, even though they're in San Diego. He still lives out there, and I live here in Fort Lauderdale. We, we couldn't be further apart. But it, it's been an incredible run for a Jewish kid from New Jersey uh, to represent a, a Mormon guy from Southern California. And obviously, it, it continues with my tradition at Utah. You know, we have a few guys, three different guys from the University of Utah this year. We've got a guy from BYU in the draft this year. Uh, and it's always fascinating and, and fun to go out there and see how the university treats him and how they respect him and the younger generation, how they look up to him. Um, and God willing, I pray that he does get into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, I, I expect to be there with bells on. Uh, I think first up, hopefully, is the College Football Hall of Fame and then yeah. the NFL yeah. Hall of Fame. And obviously, Utah you know, will eventually, hopefully, honor him. They don't retire jerseys. They've got some good players. You know, people don't know this. Utah, Steve Smith, Alex Smith, Jordan Gross, Eric Weddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm missing five or six other guys, but they've got some some monsters that have played at that program. And and now uh, every year, Utah this year could have 12 guys get drafted yep. in this draft. I mean, it's they're loaded. And so incredible coaching staff there. And obviously Eric, you know, bringing me back to that school. I actually represented Mike Anderson from there in 2000, uh, who was the Rookie of the Year running back. Um, and sure. so, you know, Eric's my brother from another mother and uh, I owe him everything and, and love him to death and wish I could give him a big hug. And unfortunately he's quarantined in California and I'm quarantined here in Florida.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's been really, you know, fun to watch. I mean, I'm rooting for you all these years and seeing, uh, you know, all the guys that you represent, but it always comes back to him. And it's always been so interesting to see how that is. Well, listen, uh, David, good luck with Bradley and I, and good luck with all of the players that you have in the upcoming NFL draft. Thanks for really uh, spending a lot of time with us here on the show, and uh, we hope to have you back after the draft to see how it went. Thanks again.
2: Thanks, guys, so much. Appreciate you very
0: much. Stay safe. All right. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter Can at David Cantor.
1: Craig Mish bobblehead, because I'd love to. Oh, I'd love stop. to actually work with that. I really would. I think it'd be. Fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's a luchador. It wasn't the even, luchador. luchador, luchador. Yeah, Brand
1: on, me one Joe. of those. I, I need a miss luchador. Look at that thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the hair, the hair is probably I about the same. It. So that's, that's how cool is that. I love yeah. it. <laughs> All right. We got to take a break. We'll be back All with guys. fantasy sports today, right here on sports grid. And uh lots more to come with the NFL draft, of course, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We'll be right back. Don't go away. How to get my
1: bread up to get my weight up Out to get my W Been out here getting my cake up How to get my bread up Out to get my
0: weight up Out to get my W Been out here getting my cake up a- SportsGrid.com Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com